Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. I hope you're having a beautiful Wednesday morning. It is Wednesday. It is July 12th already on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Appreciate you tuning in to EWTN, EWTN.com for more information. We have a wonderful show for you today. I mean, I know we try to do the best every single day, but in particular, two dear friends of mine, starting with the one, the only, Jeanette Bankovic-Williams at 15 minutes past the hour. Can you believe that her ministry, Women of Grace, is celebrating 20 years? Wow. It's pretty big news. And we are going to have the exclusive right here at Catholic Connection at 15 minutes past the hour. So I'm just so excited. I saw Jeanette back in, uh, was it April? Yeah, April, when I was taping for the beautiful online series, and Jeanette was taping also because she's a big part of it, for Christina Everett's book, Women Made New. There's an online series, study series that's free. You can go to EW10.com and just click on the learning series tab on the homepage. You can find out all about it. We'll be talking about that more as well. And Jeanette and I will probably uh, give that a little plug too in the interview. But I'm very familiar with this ministry as I've had the privilege of speaking. Jeanette's asked me to speak at several of her conferences. And what she has been doing, not just for women, women who are married, single women, whatever phase they find themselves in life, but she also has a big portion of the Women of Grace ministry, which is so huge, so critical, dedicated to girls and younger women, teens. And given everything that's going right now, on right now in our culture this ministry is so needed. So I so appreciate what she does and who she is. And I also love the fact of how she's an overcomer and how she's very honest about the suffering she's endured. Sometimes people look at those of us in ministry and think, oh, they could have never had an issue. They've always had the most perfect relationships, both here on earth and in heaven with the Lord and the saints, and nothing could be further from the truth. We all struggle. And as a deacon friend of mine said many years ago, T, everybody's got something. So Jeanette will be with us at 15 minutes past the hour. God willing, Lord willing, the creek don't rise, as I always say. And then after that, we go to another wonderful woman of EW10. That will be our very own Joan Lewis. Taking a look at some of the activities going on as we move closer to the Synod on Synodality. What exactly does that mean? And then there's a a very interesting, challenging story that's been circulating around Italy for decades now about a young woman who went missing near the Vatican. And apparently there's some new developments in that story. And Joan, our ace reporter on the scene in the Eternal City, will have the latest. So that is the show for today. Do hope you can stay tuned to the entire program. And you can always check out the archives later on if you'd like to re-listen or share any of the interviews. We archive every segment of the program. And you can find those archives from our co-producer at AveMariaRadio.net. Let me talk to you about the weather before I mention the first reading today, which is a beautiful one about Joseph. Showers and thunderstorms are expected across the Mississippi Valley and the Midwest, leading to a risk for flash flooding from heavy rainfall, widespread excessive heat advisories, the National Weather Service says, and warnings already affect in the Great Basin and the Deep South as a heat wave is expected to extend. So they're talking not just the next few days, but into next week. And now they're saying that saturated New England, and we'll have a couple of stories in the news about Vermont, is expected to get even more rain 
in the next few days. So it's really rough out there in terms of the wacky weather we're having. So I don't know if you've had a chance to do the readings yet today, but the first reading is about Joseph. You remember Joseph in the coat of many colors. And I was thinking a lot about this as I was doing the readings this morning, because I think sometimes, I know I've done this uh, on many occasions, despite the fact that if the Lord brings you to it, he does see you through it. And we can look back and see the lessons we've learned. And then when another bout of struggle or suffering comes upon us, then we are all woe is me again. I think that's, that's very typical for all of us. We struggle. Nobody wants to suffer. God doesn't want us to suffer either. He doesn't go around zapping people. We live in a fallen world and, and the suffering and the sin was brought about by, right, by original sin. But I think if we can, we all always remember, even when we're struggling, that God is going to do something big if we allow him to do it with that suffering, that makes a huge difference in your attitude. So the first reading today, of course, from Genesis about Joseph is after he becomes the second most powerful person in Egypt, just under Pharaoh. Now he was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. He is thrown into prison. He comes to work for one of the officers of Pharaoh because they discover his talents and his gift of interpreting dreams. And he was a good worker. And so the officer of Pharaoh hires him, but then the officer's wife, is upset because he rejects her and he gets thrown into prison, but then he gets out of prison. Then he becomes this, you know, I'm really summarizing his story, becomes the second most powerful person in Egypt who's responsible basically for saving lives because of the way he encouraged Pharaoh to store food and grain because he had these dreams about the impending problems that would occur around the world, right? And so his brothers who abandoned him come to Egypt and ask for help because their families are starving. And so he, in the story today, in the, in the first reading, he is confronted by his brothers who do not recognize him. And he is overwhelmed with grief and sadness and the heartache that they caused him. And so the story doesn't end there, obviously, but he's in the midst now of this, oh my gosh, I thought I was over that kind of thing. And here I am faced with a reminder of what they did to me. And if you know how the story ends, I would definitely encourage you to go to Genesis and read the full story of Joseph. He really comes to realize that he needs to forgive and he needs to not only help his brothers, but he has to realize what God has done in the midst of all that suffering and how God used that to bring him to a position, not only to save his own family, but to save so many people in Egypt and around the world because of his intelligence and his hard work and his gifts, God used that and put him in power so he can make a difference. So sometimes we're in the midst of things. We don't see what God is going to do. I was telling my listeners in the first hour, and I mentioned this when Deacon Dom and I were giving our testimony over the weekend for the diaconate retreat. We only look at the back of, let's say, a, a, not that I do needlepoint or tapestry, I don't, but at the back of a needlepoint or tapestry, it looks like a mess, right? All these yarns and things going everywhere, all these different colors doesn't make any sense. But when we turn it over, and even as you're working on that, if you've ever been in an art lab, I've had the opportunity to go into the Vatican art labs and watch them work on the tapestries as members of the patrons of the arts, which anybody can do, by the way, and I would recommend you do that, joining the patrons of the arts. They, let, they give you this insider's look at how they're refurbishing and, and saving art. And you look at the back of the tapestry and how detailed it is, but it looks kind of messy. But then you see the work that's being done on the front of that piece, and it's a thing of beauty. Anyway, this just came to me in prayer this morning. Wanted to share that with you. But the beautiful story of Joseph, I would definitely read it for encouragement. And a reminder of Romans 28, all things work together, 828, for those who love the Lord and are called according to 
his purpose. Amen. Amen. Seven minutes past the hour already. Let's get started with the news on a Wednesday morning, July 12, 2023. Fewer than one third of Americans have confidence in organized religion. That's according to a new poll, the latest Gallup poll, finding only 32% of folks surveyed say they have a great deal or a fair amount of confidence in organized religion. That is up, however, slightly from 31% last year, but a decline from 37% in 2021. There's a new six-week abortion bill that was passed by the Iowa State Legislature after a one-day special session. Here's Iowa County Republican Representative Brad Sherman among those voting for the measure. Abortion is never safe for a baby. Ever. Abortion always results in a death. The baby is not being considered very much here this afternoon, and I want to speak up for those unborn babies. Several protesters did enter the Senate chamber and disrupted the session, shouting, and they were removed by the Iowa State Patrol troopers. That new law will go into effect immediately when it is signed by pro-life Governor Kim Reynolds on Friday. And closing statements expected today in the sentencing phase in the trial of the man who murdered 11 people at a Pittsburgh synagogue. Robert Bowers, convicted last month in the 2018 mass shooting at the Tree of Life synagogue, jurors now have to decide if he is eligible for the death penalty. If they do find him eligible, more witnesses and arguments may be presented before a final decision is made. Catholic News Agency is reporting this morning a law to shield churches from discriminatory state regulations is officially in effect in the state of Virginia, offering state residents there what the bill's sponsor is calling a spectacular win for religious freedom. The law, which amended the state code's disaster regulation, stipulates that no rule, regulation, or order issued by the governor or other governmental entities pursuant to this chapter shall impose restrictions on the operation of a place of worship that are more restrictive than the restrictions imposed on any other business, organization, or activity. That new provision, as CNA claims, stems from concerns during COVID that churches are being subject to overly strict mitigation policies relative to other institutions and businesses. The weather is still making headlines this morning. The emergency response continues to massive flooding impacting the Northeast. Reporter Kristen Dahlgren is in the state of Vermont. Across the state, still a lot of problems this morning. There are entire communities that remain cut off. There have been water rescues, more than 100 of them. There have been air rescues. While the rain may have stopped for now, officials there warn the situation is not over, with some rivers and streams continuing to rise. The Vermont Army and Air National Guard have also been activated to help with rescue and cleanup efforts statewide. State officials say the damage has been severe, but no deaths or injuries so far from the flooding. The same, however, cannot be said for New York's Hudson Valley, where at least one person has died during that flooding. And it's the blistering heat that keeps building over the southwest, where a heat wave that could be the longest on record is now bearing down on Phoenix. Daytime highs in Arizona's biggest metro area have been in the triple digits every day for almost a month. And it was over 110 for 11 days in a row before topping out at 109 yesterday. Dangerously hot weather forecast to lock in over a big stretch in Nevada later this week and into the weekend. Las Vegas, by the way, could hit 116 more than once over the next week. Excessive heat watches will be in effect over much of southern and central California with high 90s and triple digits expected in some areas. 
FBI Director Christopher Wray set to testify before Congress today. He will appear before the House Judiciary Committee where he will face a number of Republicans who have been increasingly critical of the Justice Department following the indictment of former President Donald Trump. Members of the G Senate are expected to sign off on a security deal with Ukraine at today's NATO summit in Lithuania. They still have not provided a timeline for Ukraine to join NATO while its fights with the war in Russia. The deal will reportedly include military equipment, training, and intelligence sharing. The G7 includes the U.S., U.K., Canada, France, Germany, Italy, and Japan. The deal was reached after the Ukrainian President Zelensky expressed anger at the lack of commitments to bring his country into the alliance. And students struggling with school during the COVID pandemic are now still struggling to keep up with their coursework. A study from a nonprofit academic group examining information from nearly 7 million public school students from grades 3 through 8. According to that study, achievement gains during 2022 and 23 fell short of pre-COVID trends that stalled progress toward recovery. The study suggestions suggesting students still need more class time to catch up. And for the first time in 20 years, cases of locally transmitted malaria are apparently being detected here in the U.S. In Sarasota County, Florida, Dr. Manuel Gordillo treated four patients with malaria. It can be difficult to diagnose. There may be people that are infected now with low-grade symptoms or no symptoms that will manifest the disease at a later point. Reporter Priscilla Thompson saying six cases of the mosquito-borne infection have recently been confirmed in Florida, one in the state of Texas. Experts, however, say none of them is related to international travel. And the June inflation report is due out this morning, and investors are wondering how it might affect the Federal Reserve's next move on interest rates. Apparently, it's a little lower than expected, so that's a bit of good news coming out on the inflation rate. Amazon Prime Day wrapping up tonight. The two-day sale is exclusive to Amazon Prime members or to those who sign up for a 30-day free trial. As part of the event, new deals will be dropping on Amazon throughout the day, including discounts on major brand merchandise. Bree Tennis tells us screen time is an issue for a lot of people, but now even an issue with some zoo animals. Officials at the Toronto Zoo have put out a plea to visitors to stop showing gorillas cell phone videos. They say some of the content being shown could be upsetting and affect their relationship and behavior within their gorilla family. Behavioral husbandry officials say most of the videos shown are benign, but they want to encourage the wild animals to stay wild. So screen time is gone. And just a little update on the Consumer Price Index. It's up slightly, as we mentioned, for the month of June. New data out today from the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows inflation up just 2.2%, actually, 2%.2% for the month. And that's less than expected by economists. As we mentioned, annual inflation in the U.S. slowed to 3% in June. It's the 12th consecutive month that the inflation has been cooling off, apparently. So a little bit of good news, uh, money situation there. When we come back, more good news with Jeanette Bankovic-Williams from EWTN and Women of Grace, a big anniversary to celebrate and hope you can join us. We'll be right back. You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmitz, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmitz comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? 
Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring, author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries' YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Time flies. Women of Grace celebrating 20 years, 20th anniversary this month. On the phone with us, the founders, and of course, really needs no introduction, our very own Jeanette Williams from radio, TV, books, and of course, the beautiful Women of Grace ministry. Johnette, I can't believe, sweetie, that it's been 20 years for Women of Grace. Congratulations. Well, thank you so very much. And like you, I'm surprised at how quickly time has gone by. And it's, been, <laughs> it's been, let me put it this way, a very fertile 20 years. There's been yeah. so much that's happened in these 20 years. And Women of Grace has just grown and expanded. We are definitely international. We're in lots of different countries right now. We're constantly expanding. Uh, we even have uh, the, the study translated into Ukraine. Even in war-torn Ukraine, women wow. are still meeting in their Women of Grace studies. We've expanded into Central and South America and beyond. I mean, it's just incredible um, how our Lord is pushing this forward. But you know what? Yeah, I look back. Teresa, and I think that God raised up Women of Grace 20 years ago to be in position to do what it's doing now because woman is under such attack today, like never before is she under attack today. So we want to help women and young women, our young girls groups, uh, to come into a deeper understanding of who we are as women. We as Catholics can identify <laughs> and define right. woman, you know, mm-hmm. and we want to proclaim that to the ends of the earth and help women to understand that uh, this attack that we're under is diabolical in every way. Well, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that, because if you went back 20 years, we had no idea, and it was bad then 20 years ago, right? No idea what we'd be facing, especially the attacks directly on women. This whole transgender ideology is is so much about attacking women, and it goes back to, to Satan hating women. I mean, we see that in abortion, we see that in contraception, we see that in pornography. But now we see this where the actual identity, physical identity and spiritual identity of women 
are even more so under attack, saying that you know you can be a man, you can be a woman, and women, as John Paul, Pope Paul the Sixth, as Saint Pope Paul the Sixth said in his document, right, Humana Vitae, when all of these things were starting up in the '60s, he had the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, "It's going to get really bad, and women are going to be the worst in terms of their treatment when all of this comes to pass." So, when you started the ministry, why did you think there was an actual effort that needed to be put together, Johnette, to help women grow in their faith? Well, thank you, uh, you know, for, for giving us that background, because it's so important to understand that what we're seeing today has been growing over time. And so when we started the ministry 20 years ago, I was noticing as I went around speaking to different groups of women that they were not happy. They were unfulfilled. They had a sense of, of um, uh, what is the word, dissatisfaction is not even strong enough. It was a sense of alienation from who they truly were. It was like an identity crisis. And uh, so I began to really research and, and, and read what the church had given us about women to try to come to an understanding of what was going on, because it was very apparent something was going on. And I think that what I was seeing, Teresa, was the fallout from the 60s. The zeitgeist of the 60s had been convincing women that uh, they could they could abandon the reality of who they were. Their feminine mm-hmm. identity uh, was pushing on them a masculine mindset and, and really causing them to masculinize their body uh, to the extent of sterilizing it, right? Sterilizing it through birth control, sterilizing it through tubal ligation. And if that failed, to kill the baby in their wombs. So, you know, we were really beginning to see a renunciation of who the essence of woman is and who God's called her to be, this beautiful cooperator in bringing life into the world, biological life, yes. But that points to a higher reality, spiritual life, spiritual life into the world. That is the call of woman. Mm -hmm. Gertrude von Lefort raises her up and says that woman is actually the, the sign of the sacred in the world. So the evil one was attacking women through radical feminism. I was seeing the fallout of it at that time. We wanted women to come back to a sense of center, to balance with regard to who they were, to have that, 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 that uh, you know, heavenly perspective of the reality of their feminine genius, as John Paul II had been talking about at that time. So that's why we started it. We didn't ever perceive at that time that it could come to this, Mm-hmm. where we would have a, a caricature and a mockery of woman uh, through chan- transgenderism that, that would actually be, be codified, you know, and, and, and accepted into our society. We could never have imagined puberty blockers for our children. I mean, you know, so this is all a, an attack against life, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, it's an attack against is a sterilization to the maximum degree. You, uh, you know, you, a man becomes neutered, really. When he uh, seeks to try to, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, take his body and make it something other than it is, and woman annihilates her femininity when she seeks to uh, stop the natural reality and development of her body. So that's where we are right now, and I think that Women of Grace is poised to help women understand the reality and the gift that they are, and really to, to speak, you know, to speak a word of contradiction you know, to speak truth to the lie of our time mm-hmm. and to bring women around to that fullness of life that God intends for them to know. Well, the resources are, are so amazing. Chatting, of course, with Johnette Williams from EWTN Radio and TV and Women of Grace. Women of Grace marking 20 years this month. Womenofgrace.com. I was mentioning at the top of the show 
Dear sister, I think one of the most important things you've done with this ministry, in addition to helping women of all ages, is to really target younger women and girls, because now mm-hmm. we're seeing this at younger and younger ages, these attacks. That's exactly right. Right, yes. And that's why the Young Women of Grace program, I think, is so vital for this moment in time. And I just want to encourage any woman listening today, you know, if you have a heart for young girls, you know, it's one thing to curse the darkness. It's another thing to bring light into the darkness. Mm. Uh, they're living in a dark they're living in a dark place right now, our young girls, and they are being uh, particularly targeted. Uh, they are under tremendous attack today. And so if you have a heart for young girls, I want to encourage you, get in touch with us at Women of Grace. You can call us at 800-558-5452. That's 800-558-5452. Or get in touch with us via our website, womenofgrace.com, and join us. Join us in this effort. We need women who do more than talk about the problem. We need women who get involved in solving the problem. We've got answers, and we want women to join us. There, there's just so much to cover. Do you ever find, feel yourself, because I know I feel this, and I'm sure you do also as a host of TV and radio, how do I let people know exactly what's going on here? It's just so overwhelming at times. It can be, but, you know, the, the, great, the great reality is that God is with us, yep. you know, and he's not abandoned us, and Amen. he knows the struggle, and I think that he places us in positions exactly. where we can be effective. And, Just like Joseph, know. right? I was talking about Joseph <laughs> at the first reading today, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. So he puts us where we need to be. And uh, I think that he's given me, you know, obviously, a great opportunity because of television and radio and because of all that, that uh, you know, he's opened up uh, to, to be an instrument. And that's all any one of us is, is an instrument. Uh, and I think that he wants uh, other individuals to step into the fray. That's why he's given us life at this moment in the history of man. And we have to recognize that, realize it, own it, and move in it. And uh, that's what I try to inspire people to do. Do you find, and we'll talk about this, the music, and you know the routine. Well, I'll ask you this when we come back. Do you find more women willing to, to step into similar roles within Women of Grace to be leaders? Because I know you offer leadership institutes and whatnot. We'll talk about that and much more when we come back. 20 years of Women of Grace, womenofgrace.com, or as Rosie Posey would say, 20 years, 20 years. There you go. Amazing. Womenofgrace.com for all the information, books, videos, seminars, Bible studies, and more. Jeanette Williams will be right back with us. Stay tuned. Catechism of the Catholic Church on Animals, paragraph 2417. God entrusted animals to the stewardship of those whom he created in his own image. It is legitimate to use animals for food and clothing. They may be domesticated to help man in his work. Medical and scientific experimentation on animals is a morally acceptable practice if it remains within reasonable limits and contributes to caring for or saving human lives. It is contrary to human dignity to cause animals to suffer or die needlessly. It is likewise unworthy to spend money on them that should, as a priority, go to the relief of human misery. So the Catechism is quite clear. We have a great duty to exhibit kindness to animals and at the same time understand that animals were created not for their own sake, but for the sake of the human. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
Nothing illustrates the powerful bond between man and wife intended by God, the creator of marriage, than these words from Matthew's gospel. A true marriage is a sacramental bond and is therefore indissoluble. The Catholic Catechism, however, realistically acknowledges that the presence of evil can severely strain this bond. Marital union has always been threatened by discord, a spirit of domination, jealousy, infidelity, and conflicts that can escalate into hatred and separation. The original communion of Adam and Eve was ruptured by their sin of disobedience. Their relations were distorted by mutual recrimination, says the Catechism, and brought about the pain of childbirth and the toil of work. Without God's help, a man and woman cannot achieve the union of their lives for which God created them in the beginning. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Having a wonderful, delightful, and such an informative and uplifting conversation with our dear sister, Jeanette Williams, from EWTN and Women of Grace. Women of Grace, by the way, what we're talking about mainly this morning, 20-year celebration. So go on the website, womenofgrace.com. Go on Facebook and say happy anniversary to Jeanette and her wonderful team. I still just, I hear that Women of Grace theme song in my head from your conferences. I just love that song. It's just so, so beautiful. So one of the, I'm sure you get this question quite a bit. I had this over the weekend. Deacon Dom and I were leading a retreat for a deacon couples in the Diocese of Austin, Texas. And the question comes up about the bishops. What about the bishops? What about the priests? You know, the deacons looking to get support from the hierarchy. And I totally get that being a deacon's wife. And I totally get that hearing from people who are frustrated with some of the leadership. But my response is always, well, when we get to the pearly gates, God willing, the Lord isn't going to say to us, okay, well, what about that priest? What about that bishop? He's going to say, okay, what did you do? Did you pray for that bishop? Did you pray for that priest? And what did you do with the knowledge you had about the faith? So I think in addition to, yes, we do need strong leadership. There is no doubt about it, but we can't control what the bishops and leader of the church do. We can only control our response to the gospel. And so my, my effort is always try to get people to do two things. Number one, pray and encourage our leadership. But, okay, always be in the will of God and say, what am I supposed to do to, today? How, how do you approach that with ladies when you get this question, Jeanette? Well, I think that that's exactly the right response. I mean, the fact of the matter is we can pray, and that's what we're called to do, and that should never be the last resort. It should be the first resort. So we, we have a, have a call to pray, and any time we feel a critical spirit coming up, and, you know, let's face it, there are some things that we scratch our heads about and say, I, how, what? You know, how could this possibly be? It, it, that's a call to prayer. We've got to look at that as a call to prayer. Uh, and then we've got to ask ourselves that, that harder question, I think, Teresa, which is what am I doing about it? What am I willing to do about it? As I said a moment ago before the break, you know, we can curse the darkness, but no, that's not the answer. The answer is to bring light into the darkness. And every one of us has been given gifts and talents. And God is going to ask us, what did you do with them? Did you bury it? You know, or did you, were you too afraid to really invest? You know, or did you, were you all in? And I want to be able to stand before him and say, I was all in. Yep. You know, and I ask myself all the time, are you all in, Janet? I mean, right. are you all in? Uh, and, and I do believe that I am, but I don't know. That being said, that question has always got to be in the forefront Amen. of my mind, right. our minds. What are we doing? How are we moving forward? And within Women of Grace, I have lots of women who have, who have come to the forefront have been uh, raised up really as leaders within Women of Grace. We have a wonderful team of regional coordinators that, uh, you know, are, are across the United States. We need more. We need more women mm -hmm. in their geographic areas willing to take on uh, this beautiful, beautiful ministry to women. 
this apostolic work, really, of helping women to see who she is. And uh, so we're always inviting. And we have facilitators, hundreds and hundreds of facilitators. We don't even know all of the women that facilitate. I just heard recently uh, from uh, from uh, an athletic coach at one of the major universities that they have, and this is a secular university, that they have five women of grace groups going on on campus wow. with the college-age women. I had no idea that was going on. So, you know, we don't always see, you know, the, the, the reality of what's happening. So I don't know everybody that's involved in this in this particular um, vineyard, in this field. But all of that being said, you know, we want more. And, yes, we do have leadership opportunities. And, yes, we do have our Benedict Institute for Women that has a leadership program. And uh, we're, we're in the process of reconstituting that. We're working with a wonderful, wonderful professor um, who has uh, a great expertise in this area, really a um, uh, you know, an expert on uh, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein. She's mm-hmm. kind of the she's the rudder of our endeavor. Love there. her. Mm. Yeah, she's just fantastic. Uh, so you know, we're very, very excited about the doors that God is opening, uh, and we want you know. I, I, I guess I, I'm sounding like a broken record, but we're happy. We we want to recruit people. Right. You know, <laughs> we need more because the 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 the, the, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. You know, is is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Devour, and he wants to devour devour our daughters, our granddaughters, our nieces, our goddaughters, our students, the girl next door. He right. wants to devour. You know, every woman, no matter of her age, doesn't matter. She's young or old. He wants her, and he wants to take her out. He wants to claim. He wants her to be his trophy that hangs before the face of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can't let that happen. Okay. Now, one of the, the, the things that you do so well, and you do many things well at Women of Grace, I love the fact that you put, and you mentioned St. Teresa Benedicta, but you really help women understand these great female saints. When you go to a Women of Grace conference, you walk in, and there's all these beautiful banners of the saints around the room, and then you have this gorgeous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is we could do a whole show on that one and the things that have happened with, with that image. And I know you've shared many of the stories with me privately, but also I've heard you testify to this at conferences. But you know me, I'm very big on the saints, and I can't emphasize enough the importance importance because if you look at Teresa Benedicta what was she before she became St. Teresa Benedicta right she was a woman who was an educator she was smart she was teaching she was a philosopher and then she had this conversion by reading the biography of St. Teresa of Avila saying this is truth and then her life takes a whole different trajectory but even prior to that she was a woman who was out there making a difference and working with women in her age. And and so if we understand these women and, and the saints are so diverse, we can find a connection with so many of these saints to help us in this journey. Well, that's absolutely true. And I will say about St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Stein, she was a Jew who became an atheist, who became mm-hmm. a Catholic, who became a Carmelite nun. Right. So, you know, I mean, you, you look at that gamut, right? And, I mean, you, she was brilliant. She was a phenomenologist, the same branch of right. philosophy John Paul II. as John Paul mm-hmm. II. Right. You know, and, and I think that the saints are outrageously important because the fact of the matter is the saints were created out of the dust of the earth just as each one of us was. And they had at some point in time to become, you know, this, this one who would be all in for the Lord. And that, that, that opportunity is available to each one of us by way of our baptism. 
So if we, if we realize, if we allow ourselves to realize that God is calling us to holiness and sanctity of life, that he's got an, an audaciously fantastic mission for each one of us, and we are willing to lean into that reality, he can do great things. He did great things to all of them. And we hold the same thought because we believe that they are our mentors. They, they're, they're the ones who inspire us by their own life. And listen, as you well know, because you love the saints, Teresa, as you go through the various biographies, you're going to see people that were holy from the time they were children. You, you're going to find, you know, uh, women who uh, were, were promiscuous and lived with men and had children out of wedlock. Right, you're going to right. find the full gamut. Yep. So everyone listening today can find himself or herself in one of the great saints. Yeah. And we can look at that saint, and that saint can be one that not only intercedes and prays for us, but also one who inspires us. Hey, listen, if this saint could do it, I can do it I too. Can do it. Because yep. the same grace of God that was available to that saint is available to me too. Amen. I just have to receive it and move in it. And that's the trick. Receive it and move in it. Yes. You know? Yes. So, and I, I did want to mention briefly, because we have about a minute left, you've got a beautiful conference coming up at the Retreat House in Malvern, Pennsylvania. It's coming up July 21st to the 23rd, Go Deeper, Healing the Wounds of the Heart. And Jeanette will be speaking along with a number of other great folks. And they're going to also be looking at the life and the beauty of St. Therese of Lisieux. So check it out. All the information is at womenofgrace.com. I cannot believe 20 years. What a gift this is. Thank you for, for saying yes to this in the midst of everything else that you were doing to start this beautiful ministry, Women of Grace. So just go to the website, right? And all the information is there, womenofgrace.com. Well, Teresa, thank you. And we're in this thing together. Sister. Amen, sister. We're in this together. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Talk to, or as Rosie would say, talk to you later. Ciao, ciao. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Womenofgrace.com. Check it out. An amazing ministry, an amazing woman of God. My sister, Jeanette Williams, womenofgrace.com. 20 years. What a gift. Find out more about it. And the conference coming up July 21st to the 23rd. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church, we speak of seven gifts. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, you know it's a struggle and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. What can we learn from a 102-year-old doctor? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. It turns out we can learn a lot. Dr. Gladys McGarry is 102. While her tips for a long, healthy, and happy life are not all faith-based, they are worth considering. The good doctor suggests we get nine hours of sleep a night. We spend time with loved ones and build community. 
This is what parish life can help us achieve, right? She wants us to find and keep finding purpose in life, even after age 100. She says we need to walk, to move more each day. Even at 102, her goal is 3,800 steps a day. She suggests we avoid smoking and drinking alcohol, too. She wants us to find more love and laughter in life. Further, be a good listener. Get a load of this. She says, listening without love is an empty sound, but listening with love is understanding. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. It's past the hour. Time flies when you have great guests. First, of course, Janet Williams talking about the celebration that is so amazing of 20 years of Women of Grace, womenofgrace.com. Check that out. And also Medea's sister in Rome, Jones, Rome. So it's it's really interesting that this story, Joni, of Emanuela Orlande, it, it keeps coming up. Now, this her disappearance happened many, many years ago. But apparently there's 40, some, almost, to the almost day. 40. Yeah. yeah. So there's some new development. So let's give some background on the story to begin with and, and what the latest is, first of all. Well, um, I mean, I was here when she disappeared. It was June of, of, of 1983 and signs were up all over the city of Rome. Have you seen this girl? She was apparently on her way home. Uh, her father's a Vatican employee. So she and um, her parents and, and siblings would would have been Vatican citizens. In any event, um, she was on, last anybody saw her, she left a music lesson and that was that. And, uh, you know, time goes by a day, two, three, they don't find her. And then weeks and then months and theories from the mafia to she was sold into white slavery in North Africa to, I mean, if you could even invent something, it it wasn't too preposterous. Mm -hmm. And, um, over the years, obviously, her family has always sought clues. And I'm trying to remember now, Teresa, whether it was last summer, I think maybe two summers ago, that there was some indication somebody contacted the Vatican, I think to this day they're anonymous, um, and said that they would find bones in the, um, in the Teutonic Cemetery. It's a small, very, very beautiful cemetery in Vatican City. And um, people of German origin, it goes back many... Uh, hundreds of years, people of German origin were were buried there, both uh, nobility, well-known people, prelates, etc. Anyway, they did, um, they were told to dig up a grave where there was an angel, and I I knew exactly what they were talking about, and there was an angel on the wall of a site, um, and you know, it's all written in Latin like you and I've seen a thousand Mm -hmm. times in churches and everything in Italy, Um, a, a name, and Roman numerals for the decade and so forth. Anyway, where this angel was, they dug up a tomb where supposedly there were two young uh, aristocrats, uh, women, that were supposed to have been buried, and their bones weren't even there, much less Emanuela Orlandi's. Then somebody remembered that the bones had been brought in when they were working on the cemetery. It's some long, you know, involved story, but in any event, no bones were ever found, even when they refound the bones of these uh, two young gals, that, uh, two young women that are buried there. So time goes on, and every so often the Vatican would be, you know, questioned about things. And it's been Emanuela's brother, Pietro, all these years to just keep the case um, in front of the media in particular. So the Vatican earlier this year had said they would do their best 
to re-look at things, go into files uh, in, in the Secretary of State where it turned out something was found. Um, so they would look in, in Vatican files wherever anything had been filed on the Orlandi case. And apparently they contacted, um, uh, officials were contacted who have been looking into this um, for years, and it turns out there was a letter. Oh, this is all what we're finding. I mean, I'm giving you the background, and then mm-hmm. what we're finding out now, there was a press conference yesterday at the Foreign Press Club in Rome, and Emanuela was there. Excuse me, Emanuela. Her brother Pietro was there, and her sister Natalina. They were at this press conference, and it, uh, even though the Vatican has been accused of obstructing the investi- investigation since I said this year it was um, uh, in May that they had their their own new probe, and one of the things they found, which came out yesterday, was a letter in which a priest told the Vatican's then Secretary of State, uh, let's see, 1983, that wasn't yet Sodano, um, I'll have to think of it. The Secretary of State that Orlandi's older sister, Natalina, who was at this conference yesterday, she had revealed, this is in this letter, a priest letter, she had revealed during confession that her uncle, Mario Menenguzzi, had sexually abused her. And this is this came out as part of the whole story on an Italian television show last night. Well, of course, the brother reacted very angrily to to this report, they can't put everything on the family, he said, etc. Now, what's interesting, of course, we know the, the secret of the confessional, so the fact that there's a letter in which the priest told the Secretary of State that, you know, this maybe he felt compelled to because obviously nothing was coming forward in the case. Mm-hmm. So if the sister was abused, and by implication it was, um, it's implied that Emanuela was abused, and what, you know, was she going to implicate her uncle? Did she disappear because of having been abused? Was she indeed abused? So yeah. that's really where we are at this point. And, and, but again, the family saying, certainly uh, Pietro very vehemently saying that, you know, the Vatican's trying to deny any form of responsibility. So um, now the Pope did put out a statement, didn't he, just recently praying for the family as well? Uh, uh, before oh, the 40th June. anniversary, Thank you yeah. For saying, yes, it, yeah. It was at an Angelus, and it was either either Angelus or, or Wednesday audience when it was on or near the day, June 22nd. It would have been the exact 40th anniversary of her going missing. So um, he said he had, you know, prayed for the family. I think that um, I'm trying to remember if Pietro was in the brother was in the square that day, and and you know, thank God that the Pope is is mentioning this again, and of course, John Paul. He was Pope in 1983 and subsequent years, obviously, to his death in 2005. But um, John Paul brought her up very, very frequently. And anything that led to the Vatican or a gendarme knowing this or digging up in the Vatican in this uh, Teutonic Cemetery, they, the Vatican had followed through on. Not, you know, why they now found this letter or why and how, not, not so much why, but how, they now found a letter. Did they look in a spot that nobody had looked in before? I don't know. So, um, but then the uncle had told investigators, he was questioned at the time, of course. He, he said, I don't know if I mentioned, he died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, he told investigators he was out of Rome, and it turns out that actually, I guess he had, I 
think I read something today about his car having a flat tire. He never got outside of Rome, but he was close by in Fiumicino, which we know where the airport is, you know, just west of Rome. So, um, in fact, uh, the Corriere della Sera, this is interesting, his, the investigative reporter that has been following this for so long, he said Tuesday at this press conference that he had uncovered information that the kidnappers had insisted from the start that this Mario Menengusi, the uncle, uncle, should be their uh, point person for ransom negotiations. So, you know, the film I never saw, there was the 1922 TV series by Netflix, Vatican Girl. Um, but I, I didn't see the movie, but I think I've read that it, it did not look at the uncle in the documentary. So, um, in any event, uh, uh, we ask for the 40th year in a row, will we ever know her end? Um, you know. Yeah, it's a very. I think it's a very compelling story, and and I thought it was interesting that the Pope made a statement about it just recently in terms of the 40th anniversary that was coming up. Okay, moving right along, we only have about uh, yeah. already only about six minutes left. So, looking into the fall and the Citadon Sidnali, the Cardinals. My goodness, so much news out in the last week. Well, it's like every single one of us who's in the media is going to want to have a a twin sister or brother helping us out on. On, on covering everything, but um, well, obviously the, the most recent interesting thing is is the new cardinals that will be created just several days in September 30th, just days before the synod begins, and um, and so yesterday there's 21 cardinals named, 18 uh, would be under the age of 80, therefore cardinal electors. There's currently 121. So those 18 make it, well, on September 30th, 139. But between now and September 30th, two cardinals, uh, two cardinal electors will turn 80. So we will have 130 um, uh, cardinals who can elect. Now, the interesting thing is, though, uh, oh, yesterday I put, no, Monday, I posted reaction, which I got from the Vatican website and a couple of other websites. Mm-hmm. I posted how six of the, you know, cardinals-elect reacted to the news. And apparently, you know, nobody finds out before the the Sunday Angelus. And they were all shocked. A couple of them, of course, thought it was a joke. You know, a friend, a neighbor, a priest, a sister, brother, whatever called, and said, congratulations, eminence. You know, what do you mean? So a lot of them were were very surprised. But I think the one... um, of all the reactions that I posted, on uh, I think the one from the cardinal named for uh, named for Lisbon is one of the more, most interesting because mainly because of what he said about about young people. And I'm trying to find those words right now. Yeah. Oh, then there's the cardinal from South Africa who said he was bewildered and and surprised. But the most interesting thing is, and I saw this, um, I saw a reference to this. Naming of a cardinal for Lisbon, Lisbon already has a cardinal. And so the Pope named an auxiliary bishop a cardinal. Now, you generally do not have, it's tradition, not to have two cardinals of a voting age, two cardinal electors in the same diocese, which would be the case. Interestingly enough, though, this Sunday, the current Cardinal Clemente of Lisbon um, turned 75, so by canon law, he has to turn in his resignation to the Pope. Now, I don't think the Pope's going to accept that now, simply because Lisbon hosts 
World Youth Day. And this auxiliary bishop, Aguiar, um, who who's, you know, will become the new cardinal, he's the one that really basically has been organizing the whole thing. And it is interesting because he said in a radio interview, he said, um, I realize uh, that this was a gesture of Pope Francis relative to young people and what he tells us um, consistently, young people standing up and they must take the lead in their own lives. But he also implied that um, on this link, and I ha- I put the original link to my Portuguese, mm-hmm. it's not outstanding, but he said in a link, in a thing to radio, we don't want the young people to become Catholics or Christian. We want the a Catholic, a Muslim, or a Jew, or a non-believer can say what he is and be okay. The difference is good, and the world will be better with it. Well, now, the thing is, it, you know, you ask yourself if this applies to World Youth Day, um, and I don't think any time there's ever been a World Youth Day organization that has said you can only come if you're Catholic. But that's, that's the whole idea. It's to bring Catholic youth together. We know this, Teresa. And to mm-hmm. get them fired up about their faith, to get them to go back home to their countries and dioceses and, and fire up other young Catholics. But then you have questions if if this is going to be open to young people. What do you do? When people line up for Mass, is all of a sudden, are there going to be lots of people who go to Mass but also stand in line to receive the Eucharist who are not, you know, a Catholic? Um, you wonder about confessions. I have no idea of uh, if non-Catholics have ever... I suppose a non-Catholic has gone to a priest, whether they say they're a non-Catholic or what, but there's a whole bunch of questions that Mm -hmm. do come up with this new auxiliary cardinal-elect in Lisbon. So a lot to follow, and um, in between, you know, now and then, and again, this Sunday, when when the current cardinal turns in his resignation, I don't think the Holy Father would accept it immediately. He would wait, if anything, he would wait until World Youth Day is over. So that's my one thought on the current cardinal. Also, the auxiliary who will be a cardinal, um, you know, in September, does the Pope have something else for him in mind? In other words, leave him right. in Lisbon, World Youth Day, World Youth Day is over, etc. But will I put him uh, as a cardinal in some other Portuguese-speaking place of the world, which could be uh, Africa, you know, which could be Brazil? So. There's just uh, probably as many questions, Teresa, you and I know that yeah, they yeah. come up with such nominations um, as there are questions answered. So, Yeah, but that's why we're so glad to. that you're there, so you can kind of sort through it all, because we see all this, and sometimes it can seem very complicated, things happening so fast leading up to the uh, synodon synodality, and of course, uh, World Youth Day coming up as well. Joan Lewis, we will get back with you next Wednesday. Have a great day, sweetie, and talk to you soon. We'll be right back to wrap up a Wednesday morning edition on July 12th with Catholic Connection on EWTN. Stay tuned. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. 
CharityMobile.com. As a Catholic mom, I know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Lisa Popcheck from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting Catholic parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert help with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to personalized expert support, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along and love the Lord downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, and a supportive community and tons of other benefits, like my Momfidence podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Don't forget, Father Mitch Pacwa, Cultural Connections with Father Mitch. There's so many issues to discuss. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to talk about, but when we throw a topic at Father Mitch, you know that he does such a good job of helping us discern and walk us through it and help us connect the dots with what's happening in the world and how our Catholic faith always helps keeps us on the straight and narrow. Have a great Wednesday. God willing, talk to you tomorrow on a Thursday. Ciao, ciao. A domani, as we say in Italian. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.